Uh, it was a tremendous series, and I believe Brother Richard's probably still con- still struggling with this this hashtag struggles comparison when he's comparing them pants this morning. When, uh, but anyway, I'll let him and Amy figure that out. Amen. <laughs> so, um, y'all notice she wasn't here in this early service for him to talk like that. So, if you hang out, he probably won't use that opening illustration next service. <laughs> Amen. Hey, are you full of all the turkey and all the cranberry and all of that good stuff, huh? I made four egg custard pies and ain't a one of them left. Woo! Praise the Lord. <laughs> I gave one up away, and I'll just leave the rest to your imagination. But uh, nonetheless, man, since I saw you, I turned 50, but I'm going to preach like I'm 30. Amen. Let me say a special thank you for... So many of you sent cards, letters, gifts, gift cards, meals, uh, certificates for meals, and you name it. And let me just say thank you so much for it. I really and truly just cannot believe that I'm 50 years old. I look in there and say, who in the world is that in the mirror looking back at me? <laughs> and what did you do with Mike Sainz? But anyway, nonetheless, time is not waiting on any of us. So uh, I'm so uh, thankful for this opportunity to be in the house of the Lord and to do the work of the Lord while I have time left. None of us know, you might be 20, you're not promised tomorrow. Amen. None of us know what tomorrow holds. But let me say this before I dive in too deep. Let me thank you again for praying for Kasten Salazar in a room now outside of ICU, intensive care, any of that. No breathing apparatus, no, no life support measures of any kind. That's a long way from 15 days ago when the doctor said she will not see the morning. Amen. I want you to know, I appreciate medicine and all that stuff, uh, but that's why they call them doctors. They are practicing. He's the great physician. Are you with me? Say amen. He's the giver of life. So uh, <clears throat> we welcome you now to the harbor. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike Sains, and uh, I'm excited to see you here. And we will, for the next three weeks, talk about Tis the season. In fact, actually the next four weeks, but uh, we have a tremendous um, Harbor Kids presentation coming up. I think it is in two weeks. Uh, But nonetheless, we are gearing up for that. And so our staff got together a few weeks back on Jekyll Island. We spent some time in preparing and seeking the Lord and and saying, God, what is it you want us to share with these people? And so today I want to kick off this brand new series entitled, Tis the Season. Now you could go a million different ways with that series title, and that's quite frankly why I chose it, because it gave me some, some liberty to go here and to go there. But I chose the thought of Tis the Season to bring To bring, and don't freak out because the offering's already been taken. So don't let that bother you. Uh, (laughs) But it is the season to bring. As you know, our vision here is to reach the lost wherever they are. To educate people in all stages of life and to deploy them for greater kingdom service. It's red, reach, educate, and deploy. And so I want to key off of that reach part of our vision where, you know, there was an old song they used to sing years ago when I was just a small kid, and they said, when the Savior reached down for me. Amen. And he talked about how he had to reach way down. But I thank God that he did reach down for me because I was lost and undone without him or his son. 
when he reached down his hand for me. So I want to talk today about this season that, to me, is my favorite time of the year. Uh, I love the Christmas season. My dad loves the Christmas season. My grandmother loved the Christmas season. And, and they were very, very poor. It doesn't have anything to do with what all you can do monetarily, but it has to do with the season that we celebrate where God sent his son into this world. Amen? And so I love this season. I don't know about you, but it's a fun season for me. But what I want you to know this morning as we, we dive into this message that corresponds with our vision to reach out. And somebody just do that with me right now. Just take your hand and just sort of reach out. Amen. And God's expecting us to do that. <clears throat> but I love this time of year because you got an opportunity uh, to reach people that are more likely to come than they are at any other time. How many of you have ever been frustrated at trying to get somebody to come to church with you? And you know why most of that happens? Is because we invite them to come to church. Because people don't care for church. Only 17% of people in the country actually do go to church. Now, I know about 40% say they do, but that's C&E, Christmas and Easter. Amen? But I'm talking about on a regular basis. And so we get frustrated when we, we do everything we can do, but yet they won't come. But oftentimes they will not come because you have used the word church. Hey, come to my church. So just put that out of your head. Don't even do it. Invite them to the Harbor Kids program. That's right. You think, Pastor, you know, you done lost your mind. You're ashamed of church. Let me tell you something. I ain't ashamed of church. Everybody knows me knows better than that. But I'll guarantee you they'll come and watch a kid shake a handbell. They'll walk from here to Folkestone to see that. Amen? Listen, I can get up here and preach my guts out and this, you know, maybe wipe a tear. You get up here and have a kid sing Hark the Herald and all of them will get saved. Amen? So what I'm saying is I'm setting you up for success because you're going to have an opportunity to be evangelistic. You're going to have an opportunity to say, tis the season to do something, to bring some people to the house of God. Now, you ain't got to tell them you're on a mission from God, although we know that you are. Here's the deal. Everybody can be a bringer. Look at your neighbor and say, you ought to be a bringer. In fact, our Brother Richard said a moment ago that we're to put him first. You know what he said? Seek Ye first, this is Matthew, or Mark 6 and 33, I believe it is, or no, Matthew 6 and 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added unto you. They were worried about what kind of clothes they was going to wear. They were worried about what kind of shoes they was going to put on, what they were going to eat, uh, where they were going to live. But I want to tell you something, everybody can bring somebody. Amen? Everybody can bring something. When I look at the Bible and I think about what people did in response to the Lord, everybody brought something. Uh, in fact, the wise men brought gifts. You could probably name them. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought something. I think about the woman who was a prostitute in the city of Nain, and after she got saved, she brought an entire a bottle, a flask uh, an alabaster box of ointment that was worth a year's wages. Now let that settle in your mind for those of you that make $100,000 a year. That was worth a year's wages and, and she poured that on his feet. And of course Judas said, well, why wasn't that put in the church? Why wasn't that put in the treasury? And the Bible said he said that because he looked over the purse and the treasury. Amen. The Lord says, hey, leave her alone. 
She has done this against the day of my burial. So uh, I'm saying everybody can be a bringer. The shepherds, they brought glad, uh, or the angels brought glad tidings of great joy. Jesus, when he came, or actually Mary and Joseph, when they came, they brought forth this little bundle of joy. And then the Bible says on the eighth day when he went to the house of God that Simeon, the old man of God, the prophet of God that had lived prophetically until he saw the consolation of Israel. He said this in Luke 20, or 2 and 29, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, he says, uh, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared for the face of the, the, the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Amen? And so what is it that Mary and Joseph brought him, but yet Jesus brought light? Amen? Jesus brought a light to lighten the Gentiles. He brought light into a dark world. And you know what? Some 33 some odd years later, after he's crucified, you know what people will do? People that have gotten saved, people that have been touched by him, they will bring their deeds and their titles to their property and to their land, and they will lay it at the apostles' feet and say, because the church needs it. Again, the offering's been taken. Don't flip out. Amen. But what I'm saying is people said, I want to bring something. It is that season where we, everybody can bring something. And why is it that you need to know that? Here's the deal. Because first and foremost, we seek and we bring and we invite and we ask because it is the will of God for us to do so. So many times we have gotten saved and we sit and we soak, and we sour, and we think of what the church ought to be doing. Let me say something, you are the church. We are the church. Amen? Well, the last message in this series will be, tis the season to be. We are to be the church. It's not the brick, mud, and the mortar, and all the building, and the structure, and that. You and I are the hands of the Lord. We are the feet of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, the embrace of the Lord, the love of God on this earth. That's why he said that we are to be salt and light. What does salt do? Salt makes things taste better. Amen? Salt enhances. Salt purifies. Salt preserves. What does light do? Light brings warmth. Light brings visibility. Light brings clarity. And he says that's what you and I are in this world, or we should be. So that's what we get to bring to the table. Is anybody with me? Say amen. amen. So we ask and we invite. Not, not just so that they can be with us in church. No. I mean, that's a byproduct. Not just so that we can hit 700. No. That's a byproduct. So we ask and we seek and we invite, not so they can just be here, but so they can be in heaven with us. Well, well wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not understanding. Well, let me help you. Because we're about, we're about to go to Luke 15 and look at um, some, uh, what the writer said was lost. And uh, we're going to see that in just a moment. But here's the real deal. Some of us today have some lost things. Some of us have some lost things properties or personalities. Some of us have some lost souls. And listen, you can go to heaven with lost property. You can go to heaven with a lost coin, but you can't go to heaven with a lost soul. Amen? You can go in a lot of ways, but you can't go with a lost soul. So now look with me to Luke chapter 15, and here's what I need you to do today. In Luke 15, 
I want to just, uh, let, let, let's just start where it starts. The tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, uh, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Isn't that a terrible indictment for a Christian? For Christ himself, man, we eat with sinners. Huh? And, and, and he spoke this parable to them. This is what Jesus said. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, he don't leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost. What's this? Until he finds it. Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder. Here he is. Luke portrayed him as a burden-bearing ox. Amen. He went and shouldered the lost one and brought them back. Amen. Can, can I tell you something? If you ever run out of gas and you're not at the gas station, somebody's going to have to get a can and go to you. I'm just telling you there's a lot of lost people that's out there and you and I should be filled with the Spirit and ready to go to them. Amen. Now watch this. And when he finds it, he lays on his shoulder, verse 6, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Amen. He said, and I say to you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. And then he changes this thought and he goes from a lamb in which the lamb was important or the sheep was important. He said, but there's a woman that had 10 silver coins. Now those are expensive coins, especially in that day. And if she loses one, don't she light a lamp? And think about this. It's a little bit more difficult in that time frame because we walk in here and just hit the button, all these lights come on. But if you lost a coin in that time and era, you would have to get a fire going, get a lamp started, and, and start going through your house looking, even in daylight. And he said she lost this coin, and, and, and she would light, wouldn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Amen. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. Now, now we're going to go one more place in just a moment, but let me, let me share or tie some of this up. He lost a sheep, and he went to find it, and they rejoiced in heaven. A woman lost a coin. She lit a lamp and took a broom and swept her entire house. She even called friends and neighbors, come and help me find this lost coin. And that's what you and I ought to be doing. We know, every one of us knows one lost sheep out there somewhere, don't we? Yes, we do. And now let me say this. Coin might represent something that you used to have. Some of you, maybe at one time in your life, you were close to God. Maybe at one time in your life you had a real relationship with God. You had some gifts that was operating in your life, but they're not anymore. Did it just get quiet? Real quiet. And he said, but which of us won't go back and try to find that that we've lost? Which of us wouldn't light a lamp and call people together and say, let me find this. Let me, let me look for it. Let me sweep every square inch of my house to make sure I have nothing unturned. In other words, I'm going to do my dead level best to find that which is lost. And I'm telling you, God is saying to us, Harbor Worship Center, we are to reach out. We are in the closing hours, I believe, of our lifetime. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. The trumpet of the Lord is going to sound. It is the season for us to bring people to the house of God. Now listen, 
It's not on you whether they like it or not. Some of you say, well, I don't know, man. People ain't going to like our lights. So what? It ain't up to you to decide whether they like our lights. It's not up to you to decide whether they like my loud mouth. It's not up to you to decide whether they like our facilities. We could care less. Let the Spirit of the Lord draw them and Him sort it out. Here's the deal. We will call people because they're not, they don't look like the ones we think. You know, when we, you know, we think about who would actually come and fit in. So we try to size them up, and that is wrong of you to do that. Amen. Uh, Josh reminded me this morning. How many of y'all watched Home Alone already? Home Alone 2, I love, you know. Um, you remember the old man that was shoveling snow? And, and man, the kid was just scared to death of him. He was scared to death of him. But in the end, that old man saved his life, eventually went to church with him. See, that's the way we do it. We look at people and say, well, no, man, he ain't never going to like my church. No, see, you ain't never. Listen, you ain't even got to worry about them getting saved. Just get them here. Huh? You can't save them anyway, nor can I. So it's not on you to get them saved. It ain't on you to get them filled with the Spirit. It's not on you to get them sanctified. It's on Him. Oh, a long time ago, we tried to clean people up. Your dress is too short, and some of them are. Uh, and your hair is too long, and this and that and the other, and you shouldn't have this, you shouldn't have. Listen, let, let, let's, let's catch the fish and let Him clean them. Are you with me? Say amen. So what are we going to do? We're going to look for that lost sheep. We're going to search for that lost coin. I've got to show you one more real quick. Here's another thing. Jesus is talking to these scribes and Pharisees. And you know Jesus never had no problem uh, with the outside world. Did you know that? You know who he always had problems with? The church. He always had problems with those know-it-alls that knew how church ought to run. and knew, uh, they, That's who he always had problems with. Let, let me look on. He says... Um, and then he said there's a certain man that had two sons. So he's telling, now this is the, um, the, the third part in this trilogy. And the younger of those two boys said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after that, the young son gathered all together, and he journeyed to a far country, and he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Look that up. That means riotous living. He lived <coughs> in debauchery. He, he just sort of lived by the motto, if it feels good, do it. Amen? If you want to buy it, buy it. Amen? Just have fun. Be yourself. Eat, drink, marry. Be merry. Tomorrow we die. You know, sort of that kind of living. Some of y'all have done that. I've done that. Amen? And we're not called to that. But he, when, when he had spent everything, somebody said he was broke. And he didn't need Dave Ramsey. He needed Jesus. Dave might not hurt, but he, he needed Jesus. And then there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Now, let me say this to you. Um, as a young kid, I remember saying, oh, I can't wait till I get out of here. I remember all four of my kids, I can't wait till I get out of here, up out of Camden, all of them right here, within five miles of my house. Hello? Still eating my food. Still, right, well, what, I can't wait till I get up out of here. And that's what this young guy said, I'm gone. I, you know, I'm going to do my thing. Give me what you've saved for me and all that. So his daddy gave it all to him, and he went out and he wasted every single dime that he had with riotous living. And then, in a foreign country, he joined himself to a citizen, and he sent him to his fields to feed swine, hogs. The lowest job you could imagine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. In other words, if I could just eat some of these 
uh, this food that the hogs are eating, I'll just eat with the hogs. And he said, but even the owner required that of him. So he said he couldn't even eat what the hogs ate. And then he came to himself. I want to tell you all something. Did you know the holidays is a, a scary time of the year? Do you know more people commit suicide between Thanksgiving and Christmas? I mean, people, that, that's why I'm saying it is the prime opportunity that God has given to you and I to reach the heartstrings of people. Don't get so churchy with them. Say, man, you got to come here, my pastor preach. Listen, don't, don't say nothing about that because that's probably a good reason they ain't coming. They might yeah. Uh, but talk to him about the kids' program. Boy, talk to him about something like that. Make sure their children get an invitation to see these children, those friends to come watch friends. And I'm promising you, it's going to blow your mind. <clears throat> you know why? You say, now, Pastor, you're being a tactician. Yep. A strategist. Yes. Why? Because I am called to employ any means necessary that we might reach them for the, for the, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, that the gospel might go to them. So here's the deal. While you have invited them and their children to come and see these children and all of that, all of a sudden, the play's going on and you look over and that hardened person that you wasn't even going to invite, all of a sudden, tears are streaming down their face. Why? And man, they ain't singing nothing but jingle bells, but the Holy Spirit at work. Are you hearing me? Now, they may be doing something else, but I'm saying this, that God will work if you and I will work. I know he will. So my challenge is for us to reach out. Let me, let me go on. So, But when he came to himself, and you see, that's what we all do. Do you know the backslider in his own mind is filled with his own ways? And in his heart, he's right. And they'll tell you they're right. But he came to himself and he said, how many, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And here I perish with hunger. See, that's, the devil didn't tell that prodigal son that <coughs> he was going to run out of money. He didn't tell him that his friends would leave when he did. He didn't tell him he wouldn't have enough money for a ticket home. He didn't tell him nobody would love him like his father left him. Nobody would provide like his father provided. So now he finds himself lost. But there's an old man still at home praying, bring him home. Bring him home. Bring him home. And so he says to himself, I will arise. This is when he came to himself where? In the hog pen. I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But make me like one of your hired servants. He arose and he went to his father. And while he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And again, I can't help every time I read this, but look at an old man that has gone out his edge of his property or driveway or wherever the path is that comes to his home and looks every single day after having prayed, bring him home, bring him home, bring him home. Amen? And he arose and he came to himself, and when he was a great way off, his father saw him, and he had compassion on him. He ran and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf. In other words, we have been preparing one for this day when the lost 
comes home. Huh? And, and, and let's, let's kill the fatted calf. Let's eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they begin to be merry. Amen. Now I know there's a big debacle about his big brother who wasn't so happy about it. And he represents you know, church members that get upset because this guy used to be right where he ought to be with God. And he went out and he got into a bunch of foolishness and was in trouble. And then he comes back home and when God forgives him, sometimes the church won't. Just reality. But what I'm saying is this. This guy was lost. And now he's found. Uh, the coin was lost. But now found. The boy was lost. But now found. And again, let me reiterate. You can go to heaven with a lost coin. You can go to heaven with lost possessions. You can go to heaven with lost friends or sheep. But you cannot go to heaven with a lost soul. So here's why I need to, so, so, so everybody can bring. Everybody can be a part of it. And it's important you know that because God is expecting us to ask and, and to seek and to knock. He's expecting us to do what we can do. And then uh, if we'll do that, uh, if we will do it, then he'll be true. Listen, here's why you need to do this. Um, if you don't do it, you'll always wish you did. If you don't reach out, and if you don't try, why are we even Christian if we're not trying to be an example to somebody else? If somebody looks at us and stumbles more than they step up, something's wrong in your life. I mean, if they look at you and, and it's always a foul attitude, always a mean spirit, always something wrong and nothing ever right, they said, man, I don't want your God. I want to tell you something, even on bad days, we are still the chosen of the Lord. Even, you see, bad things do happen. I, I get all that. But there are those right now among us who once had something great, but you don't know more. I, I know people over the years, I've been doing this a long time, 21 years here and about 30 in ministry altogether, and I've seen people that one time was way up here with God. They had a great relationship. They had gifts, and God was using them. And now you barely even see them. Let me give you a, a striking example, striking illustration. It comes from the Old Testament in the book of Kings. David had a son. His name was Solomon. Solomon was a great, great man of God. And then he fell and got into foolishness. But while he was great and while he was at the place where he needed to be, he, made, he didn't make Israel great, but Israel was great because he honored God. And God had blessed his father David and God was blessing him. And, and Solomon outfitted the, the temple because David wasn't able to build the temple because he was a man of blood. Solomon built the temple. Solomon dedicated the temple. And, and you remember when Solomon dedicated the temple? He prayed. I mean, a cloud of smoke come down, and it was the glory of God. And, and Solomon, I mean, the whole place shook. And, but he knew there would come a day because he knew his own frailty. And he said, God, what if there comes a day and your people fall backwards and they do bad things? and they turn away from you. 
And judgment comes upon them. And the Lord spoke to him and said, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. I'll be their God. Let me tell you something. Solomon knew his own frailty. I mean, he, he had some bad days in his life. So did David. So have we. But when he was so close to God, he dedicated that temple. Oh, it was lavish, man. It was beautiful. When the queen of Sheba came to look, she said, Oh, the half had not been told me. She got there and they said, Man, Solomon was great, but greater than Solomon is here. She said, man, the place was just magnificent. It just shined with the glory of God. And in his heyday, he spared no expense for the house of God, none. And he had artisans and smiths take pounds and pounds and pounds of beaten, pure gold. And he made 300 brazen shields, or not brazen, but golden shields, 300, that, that a warrior could stand here, and it almost looked like a surfboard of pure beaten gold. He had 300 of those shields around the temple, if you will. Nothing but the best for God. Nothing but the best for his house. And when, a, when an opposing army would come, uh, they would come across the hill and they would look over here and there's 25 of those shields glistening in the sun. And they would look this way and there's another 25 or 50 of those shields refracting the light of the sun. And they look this way and there's an, another bunch of those shields and they, they look to the north and there's another bunch of those shields and they represented the best man had to offer to God. That's, that's Solomon's idea. He followed the word of the Lord exactly in how to build everything. Every, every goblet in the temple, every saucer, every pot, everything was immaculate. Solomon died. His son Rehoboam came to the throne. And Shishak, king of Egypt, came, invaded Israel, and took those 300 beaten shields of gold and basically dared them to come get them. There they go on horseback and carriage headed back to Egypt with 300 beaten shields of gold. I couldn't imagine telling you the amount of their value. Israel had lost what it once was. Rehoboam lost what he once had. And rather than mustering up the courage and training the men and saying to them, we'll go to Egypt and take back what daddy had beaten out for the house of God. Those beautiful golden shields. He took another approach and in the back room, he said to the artisans, we've got plenty of brass. Just go ahead and make 300 brazen shields and polish it real good. You know, you got to really work on brass because it'll tarnish. Polish it up real good. And let's post the shields just where the gold used to be. So that when someone comes, they think that you're something that you're not. 
They look at what used to be pure beaten gold. And now from the hillside, it looks like the real thing. But the real thing's been lost. Tis the season to bring it back. Now, yes, I've challenged you about going to get that lost sheep. I've challenged you about going to get that lost person. But as you stand with me, it's not just them. You might be here right now. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here right now and you know there was a time in your life. There was a time when God, man, if he impressed you to do something, there'd be no questions asked. You would be right on the spot. You'd do it. But that real thing is gone. Now, it's not like it used to be. You struggle more than you've ever struggled. You reminisce about the days and how it used to be when you had great conversations with the Lord and God just done great things and you live by faith and not by sight. You weren't ashamed of Him. I don't know what's happened, but I want to say tis the season to bring it back. So if you're here right now, there's, if you're here for that and saying, Pastor, I, I want back what I had, can I get you just to slip your hand right up and right back down? 